Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. The assembly may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God our Creator and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Jean, dreams, let me try that again. Jeans. Well, jeans are important too, but dreams are more important today. Dreams are a part of the human experience, a part we may not fully understand, right? Sometimes we have a dream and we forget them by the time we wake up. Other times we have the same dream over and over and over. Like say that dream that you may have every Saturday night that you forgot that you were supposed to give a sermon the next day. And so you wake up in a cold sweat at like 3 a.m. every Saturday. You know, those kinds of dreams that we all have. Which by the way are made worse on Sundays that I have off because then I actually don't have a sermon and then I convince myself I was supposed to. It's really fun to be me is what I'm trying to tell you right now. But dreams are important, not just for me, but all people of faith throughout all of history. It's through a dream that our ancestor Abram made a covenant with God, a covenant that lasts through all future generations. It's through the interpretations of dreams that Joseph garners favor with the house of Pharaoh, leading to a chain of events that leads to the releasing of God's people in the Exodus. And this idea of dreams isn't just contained to the scriptures. There's faithful people throughout more modern history, like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. himself, whose famous sermon began with the words, I have a dream, a dream that reflects the very sorts of things and themes that have adorned this season of Advent for us. He said, I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted and every hill and mountain made low. The rough places will be made plain, the crooked places made straight, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. On this final Sunday in Advent, we finish with a dream. A dream for Joseph. Joseph, who has a difficult decision to make. Joseph who is in a position that he knows will have lasting impact, not just for the immediate future for him and his betrothed, but perhaps throughout all of time. He's in a dream. Joseph is invited and adopted by an angel of God to adopt God's own self. Emmanuel, God 
with us. What I appreciate about our particular gospel this week is that it would be terrible, terrible to use this gospel on, on Christmas Eve or Christmas morning. It doesn't have any of the trappings that we expect of the season. There's no shepherds in the field keeping watch over their flocks by night. There's, there's none of this other sort of rigmarole of, of cattle lowing. There's no issues with the Airbnb that forces them into a stable, right? None of those things are here. In fact, the simplicity with which our gospel opens today is breathtaking for me. This, again, is how it was read. Now, the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in that way. That undersells the birth of any child, if I'm going to be perfectly honest, right? I was privy to three children being born in this world. I could write seven verses about the Chipotle I was sent to go get after our twins were born. So seven verses today for the Messiah seems a bit of an undersell to me, don't you think? But that's where we are. This is the story that we receive, and we know that it's anything but matter of fact, if for no other reason, the series of events that unfold an unexplained pregnancy in particular, the likes of which Joseph now has a decision to make. According to law, he is justified in marching her out of town as a pariah, lifting Mary up and disassociating himself forever, ruining her social standing from here until the end of her life. Or he has the option, the one that he decides upon, to do the righteous thing, which in this case is dismissing her quietly. But look, God knows, we know, you're not going to dismiss the birth of our Savior and Messiah quietly. This has been a thing foretold with the earth itself responding, hills being made low and mountains clapping their hands in preparation. This is going to be anything but a quiet arrival of a child, which is why Joseph does what I do when I have a hard decision to make. He goes to sleep. He takes a nap, right? And in his nap, a messenger of the Lord comes, and this messenger knows what Joseph is thinking, knows what Joseph knows, and understands what Joseph doesn't yet get. He knows what Joseph has decided. This messenger comes understanding that he has made up his mind to dismiss Mary quietly. This messenger realizes that it is through Joseph's bloodline that the connection and fulfillment of prophecy back to the line of David needs to occur. In other words, fulfillment of prophecy is at stake here. And he knows that Joseph is terrified. As I mentioned earlier, being visited by a messenger of God is, is terrifying business. But also, the decision he's making is pretty terrifying, too, because it's going to be valued and appraised by the court of public opinion. And that can be a terrifying sort of reality. And it's in this dream that a third option is lifted. And it's lifted forward by the revealing of a truth. This child, Mary, that's within you, this was conceived by that of the Holy Spirit. And now, if you claim, Joseph, this child as your own, this child will now be yours. This child will stand in the line of the Davidic forebearers and also be the means by which prophecy is fulfilled. And that's what Joseph does. 
Joseph wakes up. Joseph does that which he was asked to do. He names and claims the son as his own, using the name the angel provided in his dream. Jesus, the one who saves. What's interesting is in just a few verses, it's clear that Jesus, that God, has many names for this child. Not just Jesus, but also the Messiah, also Emmanuel, God with us. And I know what you're thinking at this point. Wow, Pastor, genealogy is a ton of fun on a Sunday morning. Thanks for sharing this bizarre family tree with us. You're welcome. That was a little harsh you said it that way, but I'm okay. The question is, why does this matter? How does this bring us closer to Christ? Or better yet, with the season we're anticipating, how does this bring, her, bring us closer to Christmas? And I think it does it because it brings us full circle to where we started the season of preparation. It takes us full circle in the season of Advent. Season that began with prophecy. The prophecy of John the baptizer standing alongside the river Jordan proclaiming, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will be baptizing you with fire and with the Holy Spirit. In other words, we stand in a season that began with the promise of the Holy Spirit, and this morning we stand at the end of the season likewise with the promise of the Holy Spirit. The hope here is hope for Joseph, that there's a way forward with Mary. The hope is that which is in Mary is that which will save all of creation. The hope for all of creation is that finally, once and for all, God is with us. Indeed, it's through the Holy Spirit that Jesus is adopted into the Davidic line. And it's through our baptism into the Holy Spirit that we are adopted into God's family as well. Named and claimed as God's own beloved, gifted with the promise of a Savior, adopted into a new way of life. Through baptism, prophecy is fulfilled and a new hope dawns. Just like the new hope that Dr. King preached about. This is our hope, he said. This is the faith that I go back to the south with. With this faith, we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, we'll be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that one day we will be free. Faith, faith is at the center of it all. As we stand here on the edge of the mystery of Christmas, it's faith that opens Mary to God's will. It's faith that allows for Joseph to see there is a third path forward. It's faith that keeps us coming back year after year after year to hear the birth of a child over and over and over again. Our faith this time of year is in the mystery found in the manger. Our faith has been presented before us during this season a season where we've heard about upheaval, a season where we heard Mary's song of justice, a season 
where we know and hope that there is more to the world than that which we see in our daily lives. So thanks be to God for that hope and that faith. And thanks be to God that Advent is over. Amen.